This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Have you ever thought, man, I wonder what Jim and Aaron would say about my favorite TV show? Would you like to dedicate an episode of your favorite podcast to your favorite person? Have a private phone chat with us, maybe? You can make all this happen, as well as get DVD archives of our content, show your bald move pride with backer certificates and autographed photos, and much more. And hey, they make great gifts. Just go to subbable.com slash baldmove and find out how you can support our free and independent podcasts. Welcome to Breaking Good, the officially unofficial podcast for Breaking Bad on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And tonight we're talking about Season 2, Episode 5, entitled Breakage. Breakage all over the place in this episode. Yes, there is. Uh, What are we talking about before we get into the recap? Well, you may be interested to know this was directed by Bo Johan Rink. Uh, Okay. And you probably don't recognize his name Mm -hmm. because he hasn't done a lot of television, but he's done a shitload of music videos. Uh, Sinead O'Connor's Nothing Really Matters. Uh, I'm trying to look at stuff that I actually... Also, Metallica's Nothing Really Matters. I actually... Beyonce's Me, Myself, and I. Mm-hmm. He did uh, a lot of Jaw Rule stuff. Blue Velvet for Lana Del Rey. You're just making shit up. He did. <laughs> you're, uh, right. you're right, I am. He's directed three episodes of uh, Breaking Bad and one episode of The Walking Dead. So okay. So that's his television chops. And uh, is I this his first episode of Breaking Bad? It is his first episode of Breaking Bad. Yeah, I thought so. You know who else's first time episode it is? Vince Gilligan. Writer Moira Wally Beckett. Do you recognize oh, that name? certainly, yeah. Won an Emmy for Ozymandias. Yeah, fantastic writer. And she's basically done Breaking Bad, and that's about it. What I think is interesting. That's all she needs. And uh, as listening to the Insider podcast, I got the opinion that Vince Gilligan doesn't really know her from Adam because he didn't even know how to pronounce her name correctly until yeah. about two weeks before the podcast. Uh, the Insider podcast was recorded, so that blows my theory that these are all these unknown people are just Vince Gilligan acolytes. Yeah, they've been waiting in the wings to you know. No nepotism there, none yeah. whatsoever. It's uh, like if we ever get famous and we're we're you know showrunners for television series and you hear like you know Eric Walquist, <laughs> everyone's go oh yeah they they did shit back in the bald move days but sure you know we brought on some guy named Fran Smithington there's no there's no connection there no well I I know a couple of Fran Smithingtons you know? yeah I, I know do. Fran Tarkenton but that's about it all right uh, so yeah breakage. Is that it? Should we get into the the recap now? I think we should definitely get into the recap now. Okay, we start with a cold open of two guys swimming across a river, and uh, they got backpacks on, they got all their clothes on, and then when they get to the other side, they find Tuco's grill just sitting there on the edge. One guy trips over it, and it's it's one of those opens where it's like, how do we get there from here? Yeah, I mean, last you know? last we saw, this grill was in Hank's possession. Mm-hmm. What in the hell has happened to Hank that now his possessions yeah. are down on the Rio Grande, the border of Texas? 
Yeah, no, it's a interesting question. I always like when they start out with these kind of questions. It's titillating. You know? it really is. It makes you it makes you think. Uh, so then we go to a montage of some dripping liquids, sure. some fluid going through tubes, and we find out this is Walt getting his treatment. What is his last treatment, I think, of the first round? Uh, so he he's talking with his doctor, and uh, they're figuring out, you know, what he's going to do now that he's having a better time with his health. I thought Dave Porter did a really good job on this episode with the, especially here, the industrial heartbeat kind of soundtrack that he we, uh, wove into, you know, Walter's sitting there getting his chemo. And I really love the sped up footage that we see throughout the series. But this, mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting because it was obviously real time filmed, but the way they did it, uh, you know, Brian Cranston's still breathing in this scene, and it gives when you're looking at him, it gives him like a, almost a panting effect. Huh, okay. And the thing I noticed was the two different time scales they're working on because they're they've got a super sped up uh, footage, but the camera is making a very slow motion move. It's it's pulling back away from Walt and kind of to the right a little bit. Yeah, which gives you a little bit more of a you know I guess a kinetic feel or or whatnot. Yeah, yeah, I, I like it that just, too. It logistically, I'm thinking, how did they do that? Do they have that computer controlled where every minute it goes back like a centimeter or something? Uh, I don't know how they did it, but it looks cool. I have no idea, but it was really cool. Yep, the colors were really really awesome as well. Uh, what do you make of? Walt saying things are just fine at home to his doctor. He's obviously lying. We know. Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting. This, the contrast between him and Hank, because Hank's the same thing. Everything, you know, he's getting a promotion. All signs point to everything being good, but under the surface, he's quietly losing his shit. Mm -hmm. Same thing with, uh, Walt here, he's getting very good news, and like you know, there's there's reason to be cautiously optimistic. Walt, your treatment's going well. Yep. Uh, yeah, and, and I'm you know everything's with your wife is going super great. That's awesome. But then you know, bubbling beneath the surface, we see all this tension between him and Skyler, and mm-hmm. you know, how it's affecting Walt Junior. So I thought that was a really good uh, you know hot and cold contrast. Yeah, it, it's also interesting to think about the future of Walter. Um, assuming he can be cured of cancer. Yeah. Like, what if he's cured of cancer and now he does have X amount of years to live, like, you know, way more time than he thought. Is he going to regret any of the decisions he's made based on the short time scale he thought he had? That's a great question. I think... Like, that totally changes the proposition for him. Sure, sure. And now he's just got to feel like a shit. Yeah, no, I mean... Imagine if he did all these things and cooked all and made all this money, and then he went into remission forever, conceivably. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that's one of the things, uh, you know, not to, to avoid spoilers, but that's something we discussed as, as we went along in the show that, mm-hmm. you know, what the hell happens if, if this cancer treatment works? Yeah. Uh, and I love the fact that they're even as early as, you know, kind of the one third point of season three or season two, rather, they're already playing with that tension of, oh, what if, mm-hmm. what if he is cured? What, yeah. You know, what, what's going to, what's, what if anything is going to take him out then? What's going to bring him down low? I I, I love that. Yeah. I, I mean, he could, I, I don't know. It might just be a question of like, he feels super guilty about the things he's done now that they weren't absolutely necessary in his mind. Uh, 
anyway, so we find out that the baby is also coming in the same time period that uh, Walt is going to be back, I think, for another round of treatment. Is that right? Yeah, it's one of these uh, key key scenes for establishing our timeline because mm-hmm. we know that uh, you know we're two months away from the baby being more born. We're two months away from him checking in uh, with the chemo. I don't know how how long would you say that we've been in showtime at this point? Hmm. Like six That's a weeks? Good question. Is what it feels like to me. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I, for some reason, seeing Skylar's belly this episode, it looked much bigger, but it might have just been what she's wearing. Sure. In this episode. And I, like, it looked much bigger than when we started the series. Right. Something it's got to be at least a few months. Yeah. Yeah, I believe it's somewhere between six and eight weeks. So if if yeah, we get to the point where Holly the the baby's born, then we'll uh, we'll be at like four months of Showtime. Okay. There's got to be a defi- there's got to be a definitive timeline. We ought to set yeah, out to yeah. look up that the next uh, before we do the next podcast. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so Walt is uh, headed out of the doctor's office and he's looking at the bills, um, but even with the cash discount, is more than he expected, and he's. Looking concerned now. I love how they use the old tractor feed printer to just emphasize on how fucking long this bill is. Because it just sits there and prints <laughs> out forever and ever. Yeah. And also, this is one of the things, like, I feel like it's intentional, but it's a subtle critique of the American healthcare system, right? I how, mean, how so? I, I remember a lot of, there was some more or less lighthearted comments made about the true villain and Breaking Bad is the American healthcare system. That yeah, and had, had this happened in Canada... Or then, or the like UK. it's a one episode thing where he finds out he, he has treatment. Cancer, he then, has, yeah, yeah. He has he has good medical care, and then he either lives or he dies. But whatever, he certainly doesn't feel like he has to cook meth to not burden his family with the debts. Uh-huh. And um, I, you know that's that's super that's super interesting to me. The fact that they're kind of in uh, you know going there a little bit. They are. They are a little bit. I mean, the whole Ellie and Gretchen thing, um, I, I feel like is part of that, an extension of that as well. Right. But I just think it's interesting that, you know, if, if I, I yeah, I don't just I don't know what to do with the how you solve the healthcare problem because you've got a lot of people who do just resist. We're, well, it's too bad because we're going to solve it right now here on this podcast. Really? So, yeah. But you like I, I just don't. Like I get it if you're uh, you're anti-socialism, but it's a weird marketplace because like, what hospital has the best rates for pin uh, for appendectomy right now? I have no Appendix idea. Removal. Yeah, and you'd be hard pressed. Is to that find. information out there? I don't know. It's not like it's like you go to a lube jo- job. Uh, you know, you can see Quickie Lube versus Quaker State. Mm-hmm. What is it going to be? And and you know, what's the premium service? But healthcare, it's a lot different than that. And. And yeah. knowing how much a surgeon in a hospital is only hat, you got to find out the anesthesiologist. Like, if we're really going to have this mercantile, capitalist-driven healthcare, I don't feel like we have enough information to make good, sound choices in our healthcare. So it's like, well, it's also a scenario where you can't necessarily make a choice. Even I get it when it's emergency yeah, services, but yeah. like if you got elective things or things that you need for preventative, it's like it's sure. a shit show. Yeah, no, you're right. And then you add lab tests. It's like it's it's really a a problem, and it, it irritates me when people act like you know this is just a discussion that deadbeats with no insurance should you know the you know try to mooch off something. It's like it's it's a really complex 
problem. Sure. That the rest of the world seems to have solved, except for us. So. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, let's move on. Yep. Let's talk about Skylar. Uh, Walt comes home. She's talking to the insurance company, and they got a massive bill for $13,000. It's something that Skylar thinks should be covered under their insurance, but it's not. A different bill. The fugue state yes. bill. Uh-huh. The hospital state bill. Um, so she asks Walt if Elliot and Gretchen will cover it, and then he says, you know, I'll take care of it. And she, she seems... Uh, annoyed by the fact that this is just his job. You know, like, I will take care of all the Elliot and Gretchen stuff, and she's like, that's your thing. Does she? Because I I feel like that some of this is just when relationships break bad, things that used to be a minor annoyances are like, Uh, this is fucking bullshit, and I'm tired of your face kind of thing. (laughs) And that's what I got. Like, you know, I know it's your deal, but... Uh Yeah, maybe you're $13,000 that we'd both have to pay for if it's not your deal. Yeah. Can I just say that Skylar's attitude in this seems to take a little bit of a turn? Like, now she's talking to Walt. Like, it seems after their conversation, she is no longer giving him the cold shoulder completely. Uh, but, she's still, she's still, you know, antagonizing him and vice versa. I feel like she's let it go down to the surface, but whenever he wants to start shit, she's right, ready to go. Like, it's all this simmering at the surface. She's no longer being the shit to him that she used to be, but if he pushes her on where Junior is at, for example, or different plumbing problems that the family's had in this episode, Mm -hmm. uh, he's going to be, you know, he's going to get his head bit off. Uh, They also set up the, you know, his suspicions about her smoking. Sure. You know, because when he goes to kiss her on the head, she's like, have you been around someone that smokes? And she just completely rolls through it. Mm-hmm. Um, which we'll talk about a little bit when this comes to fruition. Definitely. I, I do like how they really show, like, how they spell out, hey, the bills are piling up on Walt, and he's now feeling the pressure to go cook as well. And he just gave away half of his his yeah. nest egg to Jesse. Yeah. So I think that's interesting as a device because you can kind of see in this episode where they're coming from a uh, this parallel structure where they're both running out of money at the exact same time. Yeah, and it all feels so natural, too. I mean, the excuse that he had to manufacture of the fugue state ended up costing him a whole bunch of money that he didn't think he was going to have to spend. In the same way that, you know, and and, and Jesse doesn't find out about any of this stuff. He can, yeah. he can drill Jesse for the world's most expensive alibi. <laughs> uh-huh. Meanwhile, his alibi drained 13000 and counting. Sure. Yeah. So, God, because, you know, after you're... The hospital bill is one thing, but you know if you've if you've had any medical service, you know that's like just a third of the the iceberg. Then sure. you get the doctor's bill, and you get the anesthesiologist, the and psychologist, you get the, and the pharmacy bill, yep. so where they charge yep. you four hundred dollars for Tylenol and bullshit like that. <laughs> yeah, sure. It it just all feels so so right coming together like it's that. The gift that keeps on giving. Um, so Walt gets up in the middle of the night. Uh, he's he's actually laying in bed awake. He can't sleep. And he gets up to go count his money um, to go puke as well. And then that's when the toilet clogs and he finds a pack of, pack of cigarettes in there. I can think of few hells lower than having to throw up, mm-hmm. which in my opinion is the worst indignity a human being has to endure. <laughs> okay. Short not of, the slow death of Short cancer. of dying of cancer. Uh-huh. <laughs> like if you're not critically wounded or mortally ill, throwing up is the worst. Um, okay. I can get behind that. If the, the, they have to throw up bad. and then flush it, and then it clogs up. Uh-huh. I feel like Walt should get some sort of medal for not taking the soggy thing of cigarettes and just throwing it at Skylar's face because <laughs> it's the worst. You throw up, and now you got to fucking plunge a toilet. 
Yeah. With yeah, all that bad. nasty shit in it? Gross. Mm-hmm. Gross, man. I don't like it. I'm with you. Also, come on, Skylar. Come on. What are you doing? You're going to flush an entire pack of cigarettes. She smoked three and a half, which means there's still like 16 and a half cigarettes in there. That's not going to flush. I find it amazing how grown-ass adults don't understand how like sewer systems work. I've seen grown-ass adults flush paper towels, mm-hmm. you know, obviously cigarettes, all this stuff. Like, it's not... It's not a garbage disposal. Mm-mm. There's not whirling blades going to chop this up and to make it fit down the little little ass pipes you've got run to this stuff. Like it's got to go through a, this crazy switchback pattern to get down yeah. through the toilet. No, I, I feel like they they see the opening at the bottom of the toilet and they're like, oh yeah, something will fit, fit down fit there. Through there, sure. <laughs> no, 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 it doesn't work like that. Don't do that shit. That's gross. And also, and also, Walt, be a man. If you got something floating in the toilet, pick it up. Just don't don't try to fish it out with a handle that you're now you're not going to also yeah the handle's ruined you're not going to wash that handle of a plunger you can yeah. wash your hands mm-hmm. you're not going to wash the plunger handle just get in there yeah. and pick it out yeah I'm with you uh, didn't seem like there was too much in there other than tobacco either like you don't see a lot of chunks floating around it's not like it was a particularly gross toilet to yeah begin it's with. a chemo it's a chemo throw up it's yeah. not like you know you went to the Olive Garden and you had. <laughs> You had uh, the unlimited breadsticks, and then and naturally the, the you came home and puked. And you know, then you had the pasta bowls, and oh boy, you started feeling bad. But you know, what are you going to do? Stop yeah, eating like unlimited bowls of pasta? No, BW threes and got a plate of nachos, and <laughs> that's the worst. Oh, the man. worst. All right, we go to Hank, who's at his office, and he's talking with uh, his boss about the mess situation in ABQ. He mentions a guy named Heisenberg. Uh, that he's he's heard that name thrown around, uh, and he gets a promotion. Merkert offers him a new position in El Paso. He's a great white. He's tired of swimming around all the Makos. According to Merkert, yeah, he he's, he he needs to keep he needs to keep keep swimming, keep eating. Mm-hmm. Uh, he needs to take the triple rolls of teeth and bite some drug dealing ass. Apparently, yeah, El Paso's uh, tough. Much tougher than his New Mexico assignment, I assume. I guess so, because it's closer right to on the border, yeah. closer to the border, so it's more cartel activity. Yeah, I would imagine so. I don't know. Uh anyway, so then Gomez congratulates him and he he goes into the elevator and he has a panic attack. He this totally is, does. Uh, not really the first crack that we've seen in Hank, but certainly the most severe crack. The date. most blatant of the cracks. Yeah. For sure. Uh did you want to say anything about this panic attack? I like the way it's shot. I think it, it gives a very good disorienting effect with kind of blurring everything out and yeah, just a moving camera. And how it I just like kind it. of comes out of nowhere, and then he's yeah, able to, yeah. you know, the doors open up, he's able to push it down. And That's the thing about Hank. Hank, at all costs, wants to preserve who he is in the eyes of other people. Yeah. Being the tough guy, being the, the jovial, fun you know, gun-toting uncle. Racist, sexist. Well, he I, he doesn't <laughs> even see that part of himself. That's the weird thing. Like, if you ask him if he's racist, I don't think he would say yes. No, probably not. No. <laughs> if you ask Gomi... But he seems so self-aware like of his image. racist as shit. He seems so self-aware of the rest of his image, though. Like, I don't want people to see me weak. I'm, I'm a strong guy. Is that... I mean, uh, I don't know. Just... Where, yeah, where, where's the line between... Uh, self confidence and self consciousness 
begin and end because some of that like ultra manly stuff just seems like a put on. Oh yeah, no, I think it is. You know, he's like he's reading the script. He's reading the script for what he thinks macho dudes say and do, which is less authentic. Oh, and so manly. you're saying maybe the racist and sexist stuff is it's, part of that? It's something he's doing as a self. Yeah, because hmm. he really he knows he's a little bit more of a softy in touch with his feminine side guy. And because he doesn't like that, well, I mean, all the purple he runs into the hyper mask. Exactly. Marie at, at home, he's exactly. very much, uh, he defers to Marie in a lot of ways. Sure. He's, he's arguably whipped by, he's purple whipped by Marie. Whipped. And then there's also in, in one of the, um, a really odd choice for one of the minisodes, uh, they show a flashback to him getting married to Marie. And apparently he had sex with the dude. On his wedding night. He was a cross-dresser. He did? Yeah. No, nah, totally. Huh. Okay. He had sex with the dude. I'm not sure if he's a cross-dresser if he's a if, if, if it's a trans woman, but Hank would say he had sex with the dude. <laughs> and okay. I, you know, because he doesn't really care about yeah, nuance people's is body not, image yeah, and yeah. their uh, the, you know, sexual confusion, gender confusion, all that stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, he got down with the dude, so it's like, uh, I don't know. It'd be... It's not beyond, uh, beyond the realm of possibility that he's overcompensating. Was this a, a this choice that he thing. made, or was he horrified when he found out? Or, uh, Well, I mean, he almost didn't marry Marie over it. So uh, Walt had the sweet talk him into, like, everybody's fucked a dude. <laughs> I fucked a dude. <laughs> I mean, it's just uh, uh-huh. it's something you gotta. Oh, just, sure. it's, uh, yeah. You know, everybody. You're not gonna. You're not gonna get through a life on this planet that fucking a dude. <laughs> what? What so, do you? Fingers crossed. So far, so good. <laughs> I mean, sometimes, sometimes you're just gonna have to suck it up and fuck a dude. That's all there is to it. Yeah, I mean, really. Uh, but no, I, I, I could see where, uh, part of this tough guy stuff is a put on because the other thing okay. is, I mean, look at how he's dealt with the criminal element, Albuquerque. He. He gets all commandoed up to deal with one dude in a little McMansion. How's he dealing with this dude? He is he gonna fuck him? Is no, gonna, okay. no, no, no. He, okay. he he brutalizes dudes that are already handcuffed. You know, he like <laughs> okay. fucks with people. So it's he like, handcuffs dudes. I'm <laughs> stop stop with the dudes. I'm not. I'm I'm now going away from the dude fucking oh, segment of this podcast. Okay. okay, I'm not saying it's like I think that some of his cowboy shit he knows is bullshit. Yeah, no. I and think now he that he's actually done something, cowboy worry. He also knows that you know this guy was weak. It was already weakened. He was kind of like the wounded gazelle. And so, like, how much of a so badass is, that, is he really? Is that what scares him about El Paso? That, that maybe he's going to have the to dude back he thinks it, he is. I mean, yes, yes. But he didn't shit his pants when he fought Tuco. No, but I mean that's part of the that's part of the problem with toxic masculinity is you think. You should be able to just fucking plas- blow somebody away oh, into a bloody mist and just it. be fine. Clint Eastwood. It. And, you know, in reality, maybe he should talk to a therapist or somebody to talk through these perfectly natural feelings he's having for killing somebody. Sure. But because he is this John Wayne guy, he's not going to. And, you know, hilarity will ensue. Okay. <laughs> well, I guess, you know, depending on how funny panic, panic attacks and <laughs> pants shitting is, that's, uh, what's, that's what we're in for. All right. I can buy that. Uh, then we go to Jesse, who rolls up uh, to the junkyard. He's going to pay this guy. He's he's not going back on his word here. Uh, he has some balls. He pays this guy for storing the RV and all the shit he broke. And then he says, hey, you want to store this long term for me? 500 bucks a week. This I don't understand why this guy doesn't turn around and immediately sell his methylamine. 
Well, maybe that will actually happen because honestly, I don't know. I don't actually know how much that methylamine is worth, but maybe he thinks he can make more over time. Off maybe, of Jesse. but I like depending on how much that's worth. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, his reaction last week to the phone call, yeah, made me think that it was a lot. Especially considering Jesse owed him two grand at the time, and he's like, "Oh, it's worth that much." So it's got to be like if if you told lot. me that a, a fifty five gallon drum of methylamine is worth fifty thousand dollars in the black market, I would not be surprised at all. Sure, yeah. So if we, you, you know, if you told like when he said million five, I almost thought it's like, "Wow, is that how much that's worth?" Or, but there's no fucking way you couldn't keep methylamine in, in anywhere. You'd have to store it in Fort fucking Knox if it was worth a million five. Uh-huh. But 50 grand, I could buy that. 25 grand. If anybody knows how much a 55-gallon drum of methylamine is On worth. the black market. If you have well, no, we can extrapolate, right? Yeah, if you have no legal legal way to buy it or legal reason to buy it. Sure. You know, so. All right. Um, anyway, so he does that, and then he buys a car from this guy, a really shitty car. Which he later says is to keep things on the DL, which is smart. Let me tell you, as a person who's owned a Toyota Tercel, yeah, that's a shitty car. And that's that's a, that's yeah. Even I the, mean, there are parts previous, falling off, and that's a previous model from the one that I had. Like I had like a nineteen ninety Tercel. And I assume it wasn't it wasn't actually falling apart. It wasn't actually falling apart. Okay. but it had a hamster for an engine. <laughs> uh, all oh, the guys no. I ran with were like my size or bigger back in the day. So, like, trying to fit two, four six-foot-two dudes in that thing was like a clown car situation. It sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> it was a nightmare. My dad had a Geo Metro. Oh, I remember that fucking car. <laughs> that we drove around. I remember that car. That has a hamster wheel for an engine. Yeah, I think literally, like, like I had one more I, cylinder than that car did. How does the Tercel stack uh, up against the Metro? Is it... I, is it more powerful? The thing is, like, here's the thing. Does your car have trouble keeping up at 65 miles an hour? Like, mm-hmm. does it, and, and so did your cell. It sounds sound like it was about, the engine's about to come through the hood. Uh-huh. That's not a car that should be driven on American streets, I don't think. Gotcha. All right. You have to be able to maintain 70 miles an hour without the car sounding like it's going to explode. Yeah, yeah, that's built for <laughs> a city, you know? Yeah. If you want a light car, just it's a neighborhood. you around. Yeah, it's a yeah. suburban car. You don't get it on the interstate. Gotcha. I frequently got on the interstate. That's the problem. <laughs> Uh, so Jesse then goes to rent a house with his newfound cash from Walt, and he wants to pay with cash without signing anything, but the landlord is skeptical, and then after telling her his sob story, he uh, she rents it to him anyway, and then he signs his name Jesse Jackson, <laughs> <laughs> totally oblivious <laughs> to what that actually means. That's funny. Uh so this is definitely not the Toyota Tercel of apartments. This is actually a pretty nice yeah. place, and it's got uh, Kristen Ritter as your neighbor. Not bad at all. And she kind of definitely. And yeah. also, like, she, I thought there's a clear indication that she had the hots for him in this episode. Like when yeah, she, yeah, I she wonder made, if he had been like Walt and gone in there and said, "Oh, I just want to pay cash." She probably would have said, "No, creepy old man, get yeah, out of here." It didn't help that that's Aaron Paul, and yeah. the, she did like that subtle little eyebrow things that girls do, where she's like, "I think I might fuck him." Um, that's <laughs> okay. that's that's the indication I got. Huh? Like, unless he says something so or does something so phenomenally stupid mm-hmm. in the next X amount of days, I'm going. Uh, this guy's getting in. All right. That was my interpretation of that look. We'll, we'll see how that goes. We will I, see. I didn't pick up on that, but she's very reluctant, and she says, you know, her dad's actually the the owner of the place, and 
you know, the, she's trusting Jesse a lot here for someone she just met. That was my takeaway. She's also it, she got she's not getting nothing out of it too. Like, you know, he's an extra he, hundred bucks. She's pocketing that, right? And I'm Certainly. thinking the uh, DBAA mm-hmm. is maybe some funds that she's pocketing as well. So she's she's yeah. building herself a little nest egg. I don't think her dad's seeing any of that money. No, that's going to whatever she wants to buy. No, I mean that's uh, as far as he's concerned. The honorable Reverend Jackson <laughs> is renting this place. <laughs> yes. Uh, then we go to Hank bottling beer in his garage, and Marie shows up and gives him shit for calling into work. And then she leaves, and a bottle breaks, cuts cuts up uh, Hank's hand. This is a great scene. I did not know that Hank was a beer bottler, a home brewer. Yeah, a lot of uh, this works on several levels, too, because he's, you know, taking a day off because he doesn't want to deal with the panic attack right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're always talking about bottling up your feelings. He's sure. literally bottling his feelings. He's trying to. Until fucking Marie shows up and harshes well, all of his vibe. Yeah, until one explodes on him, you know? I mean, this is tied so closely in with. His uh, experience in the elevator. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about breakage. This is a man who's in the process of breaking. Um, I I feel like that is a physical manifestation as well of how he's feeling at the moment. I also thought it was cool how it really well set up the follow-on scene where these yes. things go popping off at night. Mm-hmm. You know, they introduce the hobby and Shows you got the Trader Brow is. label, which was cool. Um, Stephen Michael Cazeta, when we interviewed him at the Breaking Bad Fest, had a Schrader Brow um, T-shirt on. Yeah, very cool. But that was very cool. I wish I could get one of those. Yep, soon to be famous. I love how he's got a commercial already going in his head, like a jingle and a theme song <laughs> and like... He's he's thinking, yeah, Schrader Brown's going to be big one day. Well, that's the thing. Like, he was so happy bottling Remember the this batch beer. of 06 <laughs> and the Christmas batch? <laughs> he was so happy in bottling yeah. this, kind of humming in his little man cave. And then, like, once Marie came and broke him out of that reverie, he never could get it back, it didn't feel like. Yeah, this is an escape for him. Yeah, certainly. he's just been permanently grilled. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Walt meets Jesse in the desert to cook. He does not recognize the car when he drives up. And they talk about how they're going to move their product uh, once they get in the RV. Jesse decides that he can set up a network and doesn't give a shit what Walt does or doesn't want him to do. Um, I, I I don't know. I, I feel like part of their relationship is breaking as well. He took a little you know? hand back in the relationship, right? Seinfeld style? Yes, certainly. Like, like he finally said what I've been wanting him to say, which is, look, old man, you greedy-ass old man. You need me a hell of a lot more than I need you. And, you know, before you came yeah. into my life, I'd never been on my knees with a gun to my head or locked in a trunk begging for my life. Like, fuck off. I, and, and yeah, he, but I mean, he, like, I don't buy that Jesse's life was perfect before this shit. <laughs> before no, he met but there's. The first time we see him, he's crawling out of a window because his lab's getting braided. And no, no, no. He's crawling out of a window because he's fucking the hot MILF neighbor. Uh huh. Going to his, uh, you know, uh, what do you what do you call that uh, bouncing mobile? Yeah, uh, the, the cap and he's got cook. the cap. He's got the sweet, sweet, uh, big old house in uh-huh. Albuquerque. You know, I don't think his life is terrible. Yeah, I mean, it's taking a downturn. Yes, certainly. he's slowly <laughs> being addicted to meth mm-hmm. and and everything else, and that's probably not going to end badly. But it's not like it's a total shit show either. 
I guess. I mean, yeah. compared that to being at the mercy of Tuco, it's mm-hmm. it's it's terrible. Yeah, he he's past all that now, though, right? I mean, he's got a little bit of money. He's he's cooking shit. He's about to get his business off the ground. I don't know. Things things are certainly like after this big downswing downturn. Yeah, nothing possibly can go wrong at this point. <laughs> uh, so, well, I don't want to get into spoilers. What did you think? There is a prominent shot of a walking stick. And, I didn't even see it. Oh, really? Uh-uh. Well, shame on you. There's a prominent uh, shot of this uh, walking stick when they were going to meet out in the desert. Um, do you think? And and there was oh, a lot you're of talk about, about the insect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. There's also a lot of talk about the cockroach nature of drug dealers and how when you see one, you stomp them. Sure. Is the walking stick uh, a disguised cockroach? And that's like you know, Hank would stomp a cockroach if he saw it. But this, but 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 Walt is a walking stick. Discuss. <laughs> uh, yes. Okay, that's all you got to say. Sure, it is Walt's metamorphosis. That's visual between... poetry. God damn it! <laughs> I want some recognition. Should I slow clap you? What do you think about his playing with his wedding ring? I mean, that's a you know, that's certainly. An affectation that I had back when I used to wear one. It's like, you know, fun Who's to that, spin Walt? around. Yeah, you spin in the yeah. ring, almost like it's subconsciously uncomfortable. He's chafing under the Skylarian yoke. Sure, I could buy that. I mean, that's got to be weighing on his mind at the moment. You know, yeah, I the mean, fact he's that his got, marriage is into shitter. Yeah, he's got three big concerns right now, right? He's got uh, his meth cooking, his meth operation. His he's impending got death. His, yeah, he's got his cancer, and he's got his family life. Yeah. Those are Walt's real only real three concerns. Sure. So, yeah, I think it's good that it's represented in m- most of what he does. You saw this interesting too that Walt was like vociferously that throwing in the towels not an option. Like isn't it amazing that none of them have actually said, "Whoa, this is actually the perfect time to throw in the towel. We've broke yeah, even. Yeah. We have dodged so many fucking capital cases. Let's just we're we're even Steven now. Let's get out of here." Yeah, now is a good time to quit. If you're going to quit, which Walt is apparently not going to do. Hmm. Uh, you're right. You're right. He could have got out. All right. Next scene? Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe, maybe. Let's let's talk a little bit about Jesse's reaction here. Because, um, you know, he's saying, hey, I can build this empire. Walt definitely doesn't want him to and doesn't think he can do it, I think is the main, the main point. He doesn't think Jesse is capable of of keeping him isolated from it uh, and running it the way that a drug operation needs to be run in order to stay secure. Well, it's almost like, you know, like in Walt, like Walt's of two minds of Tuco. I mean, he's obviously repulsed by how amoral and what a degenerate thug he was. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, he's also chastising Jesse in this episode for not being capable of Tuco levels of enforcement. So, like, yeah. what does Walt really think about Tuco? And what is, you, you know, what is his mission statement now as a drug dealer? It used to be, last time he actually articulated it was, I want to make a, a clean... No rough stuff. I, I want a no rough stuff type of deal. I want to make a clean, predictable, dependable product yeah. without any contaminants. Mm-hmm. But this stuff is starting to be slowly eroded. Definitely. I think when he starts out, he feels like, I can run this as 
any legitimate business would be run. And why can't it be done that way? You know, drugs are no different than any other product. Yeah. Well, turns out the people who run the drugs are way different um, because of the illegal nature of the product. So I feel like Walt is starting to realize the the drug dealer mentality a little bit. And so he's starting to see it as necessary to operate in this environment. Uh, whereas before he was very much like, oh, businessman, I can put on a suit and tie and do this. Yeah, that's the thing about running a criminal enterprise is that... There are no rules. No, I mean once there you aren't. once you operate outside the rule of law, yeah, it's the rule of the, the law of the jungle, and that's a scary thing. Like, I remember I used to be a lot bigger MMA fan than I am now. I just have lost kind of touch in the last few years. Um, uh-huh. But the one thing was that anybody could beat anybody. Okay, I mean not literally. Like I couldn't yeah, get yeah, in the yeah. ring and and take on you know Chuck Liddell. All right, what what do you mean by? But I'm saying like if of reasonably like even if a guy was like favored heavily, you still all you need is one momentary lapse of attention. You need one lucky gotcha. punch. Yeah, yeah. And we've seen it all before, where like you know, a guy's dominating a fight, and then he like his attention slips. He gets put in a arm bar or a chokehold, and he's tapping out. And that's the shit that like so so imagine life is a is a, is an octagon. Mm-hmm. And you are competing against all these other players in this market that has no rules, absolutely no rules at all. Even yeah. if you are the best competitor, the most fittest competitor, you might get taken out by some scrappy little upstart. In fact, hell, there's a lot of plots of Breaking Bad that follow that exact same uh, the line. Mm-hmm. I think it's just an interesting that guys smart as Walt doesn't take that logic and, and you know extend it to its most logical end the point which is are you always going to be the biggest baddest apex predator on these streets was tuco yeah yeah who did, who took down tuco i mean goddamn that's the thing walt has to think that he is far smarter than everyone involved in the entire drug operation which you know the quote to the quote to ding ding i mean yes he definitely believes that yeah no i think he does um so that's going to get him in trouble i also love the line <laughs> <laughs> from jesse where he's talking about bills he's like i've got bills man Uh-oh. yo i got bills <laughs> you've got bills yeah rent rent he has responsibilities to yeah. who as an adult it'd be funny if walt had the bill like well, that fan- family like that that 15 page fan fill a fan fold bill he just like rolls out his window and like you know cast list it. of responsibilities no yeah. i'm talking about his bill his literal hospital bill oh that yeah, yeah. Out on that here's tractor feed yeah here's my here's my bill Kajoon. yeah he's got 500 a month in right. rb storage and yeah. thousand in apartment or something right anyway thought that was funny uh so jesse has a business meeting with his new recruits who are badger skinny pete and combo who i th- We've definitely met before, um, all of these guys. And then he's going to front them an ounce each, and they'll sell it. And that's the basic deal. Uh, he is constantly giving Badger suspicious looks throughout this entire episode. You see, I but don't... But the one who gets robbed is not Badger. I don't think that it was a... He was singling Badger. It's almost like, God, I... There's so many great layers of this scene. Number one is laid out like every shady business seminar you've ever been to sure only i'm gonna sell you a timeshare only more so this is timeshare this is selling knives Uh this is whatever except for instead of pizza and like coke and diet coke and 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 seven (laughs) up you've got uh one type of big k cola yep and a bowl full of fucking pretzels 
Sure. That is that is your you know get rich quick motivation. Um, yeah, and I I love the furniture planning. Like he's got the zero gravity chairs. He's going to have a fifty inch plasma. Right now it's whether, all completely empty. Yeah, where the LCD is going to be better than plasma, and you're going to have a fountain, and how much chicks you're going to nail in it. It's so good. Um, mm. But yeah, when he starts looking around and like these idiots that he's mm. got as his associates, he's got to think. Would I trust myself to do this? Like, I'm trusting these guys? Like, what all could go wrong here? Yeah, I feel like with everything Jesse's been through, he understands the game a little bit more than these guys. Like, these guys are still very green. You know, they're drug users. They're not drug dealers. Yeah. And that's a very different world to be in. Yeah, but I like how you already see the growth that Jesse has gone through because in, you know, season one was like episode three, when he had uh, Combo and Skinny P come over, and he's like, "Like, hey, yeah, I could go for some, I could go for some meth," and and Jesse's like, "Okay," he just breaks down instantly. Yeah, here they're clearly sack chasing, and Jesse's like, "Hey, we're not doing that here. This yep. is about business." Yeah, he was like, "No smoking, no chewing gum." <laughs> he's got the fuck. He's got the fucking white hoodie on and yeah. the white knit yeah. cap. I mean, he's like a businessman. Uh, <laughs> For sure. Uh, the the reason I say he was like eyeing suspiciously, particularly Badger, is because it didn't look like he expected Badger to be there. Because really? when when Skinny Pete and Combo walk through the door, Jesse goes to close it, and then Badger comes popping through and kind of surprises him. I did not notice that, but it brings me to the most unrealistic thing that I've ever seen in Breaking Bad. <laughs> okay, what's that? Three junkies showing up on time for anything. Oh, yeah. No. He should be like, dude, you're four hours late. Unless they all came in the same car and they're four hours late. Uh-huh. That's the only way I buy this scene as working. All right. Because no fucking way. No fucking way did they all show up on time. Sure. Uh, then we go to family lunch at the Schrader house. No word on whether the whites showed up on time or not. Uh, Marie's talking about <laughs> Hank's new job and the future of his career, and then Skylar and her go inside, and Skylar tells Marie to apologize, uh, and she finally does. I mean, this is an obvious contrast to her personal dilemma with Walt, right? You know, Marie, despite her many flaws and the fact that she is just, you know, a terrible human being in a lot of ways, Marie will eventually apologize and shed some tears over the pain and suffering Damn. and lying that she's done for you where Walt is just like, yeah, what are you talking about now? Yeah. We saw Walt completely. Deny now Skylar's got Marie much more dead to rights. Oh yeah. She knows exactly what she did, exactly where it happened, all of that stuff. Right. Right. Uh, I didn't know if she was going to apologize. Like, frankly, I wasn't sure. Uh, yeah. Cause it's been so long since I've seen it. I was watching the same thing. I'm like, wow. Is she? Because I could see, like, well, if she stonewalls, that's going to be a nice little parallel for Walt. Maybe that lets attention off Walt because she's like, well, yeah. Um, but on the other hand, you know, her staying firm and saying this is going to change everything if you don't fess up right now, and her sister eventually doing it, that makes me kind of think the opposite, and that maybe where am I going here? Maybe, maybe that this is going to be uh, the, the opposite. She's going to be harder on uh, Walt now. Yeah, she could totally do that. Yeah. Uh, and I think be justified in it, you know? He still has never even admitted what he's done, let alone apologized for it. Uh, lots of talks about the cartels and yes. how ruthless customers they are. Lots of talks about them beheading and yeah. uh, how rough it is at the border, and Hank's like, yeah, you know, uh, whatever. 
Yeah, really impressing upon people why he's so worried about this. Marie wants to go to DC. She's yeah. hoping he takes a, a promotion all the way to the top. Mm-hmm. Get into the FBI. Yeah. Well, the D, I mean, the DEA is based out of DC. Some, oh, yeah, at I guess some he point, could do right? that too. Sure. Plus, I, I, I hear tell Baltimore has a drug problem. So I've heard. Yeah. There was a documentary on HBO called The Wire <laughs> talking about how bad it is. I think Hank could do some mm. good work there. Although Hank would be, uh, the, ironically, Hank would be the Herc type, right? I mean, that's, uh, that's, the, th- th- that's the thing that's... Maybe? What, what is the Herc type? The like, guy that just does the rip and runs, you know, the like the, uh, the, overly the concerned with the street level. The street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you might get lucky and take down somebody on accident, like Hank did. Yeah, yeah. But that's one thing that's always somewhat annoying. Because uh, I, I want to say I binge watched The Wire between seasons three and four of Breaking Bad, hmm. and seeing these scenes after that really hurts to see that Hank is being held up as this paragon of police work when really. Number one, my you know, I feel like the war on drugs is a fool's errand at best. But sure. if you took it seriously, there's right ways and wrong ways to do it. And Hank and Gomi are almost exclusively focused on the wrong ways. Why do you say that? Because they 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 do a lot of investigating, even outside of the field, like in the office. I mean, they, but like they've got tapes and they're going over it. And he knows about Heisenberg, and he's got. But they they know they're not going after the big cheese. They know they're going after the street level crime. And yes, like they're trying to find bigger crime. But I mean, the big. But ultimately, all this stuff comes from Mexico, right? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure where he's going with this Heisenberg. And I guess maybe going to El Paso is getting a little closer to that fight. But you know, I don't know. It's 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 hard for me to take. But you're right. He did luck into that. Yeah. yeah, and I'm going to save some of my comments because there's a point later on in the episode where the, I'll, I'll have a bit better insertion point. But it's just like I said, it's annoying to see, you know, again, Hank and Gomi are basically Herc and Carver from The Wire. Sure. Yeah. And once you know that and see that, it's very hard to take them seriously in that capacity. Yeah. So. Okay. Uh, anyway, the next scene is Junior asking Hank about killing Tuco and, you know, kind of harping on that. And Walt comes over and they talk a little bit about it. Um Hank is surprisingly unphilosophical about the issue, where do criminals come from, when Walt brings it up. But then I have to wait long for my insertion point. Oh, okay. Uh, I feel like Hank's attitude uh, mirrors, in a lot of ways, Vince Gilligan's. Like, Vince Gilligan does not seem to want to take any kind of really hard look into drug enforcement and the DEA's activities. It's all DEA good, drug dealers bad. Is there poison running through our streets, and this is a noble thing that they're doing fighting against it? You don't think that Vince Gilligan wants to an- answer this question? Where do criminals come from? I'm just saying, like, listen to the podcast. I'm he seems all for it. Like, I think he just sees what's heads. Really, I think he sees. Yeah, I think he sees what's going on south of the border and with the cartels and how honestly horrific that is, and doesn't ask himself what is are your government's role in creating that monster it's just that's something something that has to be stopped and these guys are putting yeah, in heroic I mean, efforts to do so you don't give somebody with pneumonia cough syrup I yeah mean, that's treating a symptom not a cause it's yeah i'm i'm with you on this certainly uh i didn't have an opinion on where vince gilligan stood i guess no like today, it's like but... if you're doing if your policy is making someone rich and powerful 
and then you're decrying the rich and powerful for for taking advantage of that situation without looking at your own policy. It seems hmm. weird, and that's the one thing that annoys me about Breaking Bad is that it's just kind of a one sided myopic look at the war. You know what? Oh yeah, this is not trying to be a statement on sure. crime in any way. No, no, no. But I think some part of me wonders if we'd saw a little bit of that struggle with Hank where he's, you know, when, when Walt says something like, you know, what makes these cockroaches what they are. And for Hank to kind of wrestle with that, you know, especially when it's, it's a problem with his own family, but never does that happen. Well, I mean, Walt is the one wrestling with that question, right? I mean, but he's the bad guy. Like whoop de doo. I know. (laughs) I know. But, (laughs) But Hank, as we said earlier, is not the kind of guy, I think, to do that. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, Hank Hank is more concerned about being Mr. Tough Guy. Mr. Tough Guy is not going to debate the philosophical issues of what we need to do about the crime. I agree. I'm just He's saying. He's just going to go out there and try to arrest people. It would have made, and then, you know, this is a very, everybody settle down. This is a very mild criticism of Breaking Bad. Um, <laughs> I just wonder how much deeper it would have been if they had been able to touch on that. But I feel yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Vince's personal worldview plus his close collaboration with the DEA on sure, the show sure. combined to make it very uninsightful about some of these societal ills that yeah, we get no, from the, the drug trade. The Wire is so much better at that. Sure. So much better. Sure. Uh, even The Shield is so much better at that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that's just not what the show is, and I, that's okay. Yeah, I mean, there's other shows that do it. You know, you've yeah. got The Shield, you got... The wire, you've got traffic, you've got a lot of other places that you don't need it every place. But mm-hmm. I mean, a part of me would like to would have liked to seen Hank talk about the you know doing. It's like it's like if you're a fireman and the building never stops being on fire. <laughs> well, the building's burning down less than it was last week, but just wait a couple more weeks. There's going to be more fire filling in the gaps. Like yeah, what is. You know, it's like you're push. It's it's a Sisyphean task. And it's, and you're just pushing this boulder like, up the hill the, forever. It's almost like you're not even trying to put the fire out with water. You're putting it out with more fire. Yeah. Like, let's spray fire at this building and hope that the fire goes out. Let's spray gasoline and hope that we uh-huh. can douse it with gasoline faster than it ignites. Yeah, yeah it's silly. Uh, anyway, so there's a, a selling montage, a drug dealing montage. Here. Great. I love Breaking Bad montage. is the best. Super awesome. Uh, Jesse makes the drop. Uh, all the drops he's giving his guys teens with they're selling and everything looks like it's like it's like the the you know there's there's like that that scarface montage mm-hmm. where they're just like walking ever bigger bags of cash into the, yes. the bank and they're um, like you know getting flashy clothes and they're mm-hmm. buying cars and everything everything's going great and that's the way this this montage is set up too like you know they're giving each other dap they're fist bumping they're passing fat stacks everything's going great until skinny pete gets held up and robbed and by then, a couple of junkies who really look like junkies he he gets he gets robbed by a junkie a, a junkie and his pet witch as far as i can tell <laughs> like she just needed a broom these two oh my god yeah I don't even know where to begin. I, I don't know either. And also, like, you correctly pointed out that Skinny P looked like, for real, I got ripped off by these two? <laughs> like, he's not scared. He's just like, damn, damn it. Yeah. It's like when you get yeah. pulled over some for some chicken shit ticket. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, 
You're not afraid. You're not. It's just. It's just, it's just annoyed. Yeah, it's more annoying. Like really, you're gonna give me one for ten over and a sixty-five? Chicken shit. Yeah, it, it definitely does a good job of making it seem like they're busting their asses. Uh, a montage was very effective for that. Uh, but and then again, I wonder, like, has he? You know, they're selling teens. Is this the most effective way to go? Uh, hey, six thousand dollars a day without a constant threat of ass beating is not bad. Yeah, no, that's the factor, right? They I, remove that. And I gotta say, uh, Combo, I was really looking at him and his these scenes, and I felt like Combo was really showing uh, a lot of potential here. He seemed like he really had, out of all of these guys, the be you know the potential to be the most successful of of Jesse's. I don't know what you call them, lieutenants, dealers. Yeah, yeah, maybe so. Uh, definitely that, that scheme wouldn't have worked on him because I don't think he could have run fast enough to keep up with her, uh, first of all. <laughs> and he's probably too smart for that. Yeah, I don't believe that the witch could run that fast. I mean... Yeah, well... She'd be too busy sobbing in a dark corner of the level, but... Uh, yeah, it's true. I mean, you shoot up a little bit of meth, and you, I think you're good to go with running. Meth is a hell of a drug. Yep. Uh, Walt takes uh, Jesse into the desert, or he meets Jesse in the desert, and he finds out about what happened with Skinny Pete. Um, he gives him some, just gives him some money, and he is less than satisfied with what has gone on here. He tells Jesse to deal with it, which is interesting because I felt like this is Walt was so close to admiration for Jesse when he handed him over that doll, that thing, and then he obsesses uh-huh. over this thousand dollars, and they get in this, you know, discussion about shrink. Yeah, what's your opinion on this? What What is your opinion on breakage in the drug business? I'm a big fan of breakage. Or shrinkage. Uh, <laughs> You're a fan of shrinkage, too, huh? No, no. I, okay. I'm not saying that. I'm just like saying I worked for a company that had shrink that was a quarter of what it was in the industry standard. Oh, okay? I thought you were going to say a quarter of their profits. No, no, no. It was, okay. It's a quarter of what shrink is and the amount of time and effort we spent on further drumming down that to me seemed really stupid and pointless. Now I'm not the owner of a business. I think if you're the owner of the business, maybe you take shrink more personal than if you're just, you know, a, a a low level peon. Also, you got to think that's the attitude that got them to a quarter of the usual shrink. No, I I think that there's other, I mean, there's a, I mean, I'm I'm not going to get into a 20 minute discussion of why gas America shrink was (laughs) below that of Speedway. I'm saying the attitude, the added, not having the attitude of, Hey, we're average breakage. That's fine. Let's just go idle here. Okay. That's the attitude that got them down to a quarter, which is a substantial amount. I can see a little bit of that, but I'm also, I'm, I'm, I'm annoyed at, you know, chasing pennies when dollars are going out the window. Sure. Yes, and that definitely diminishing returns. Yeah, definitely. other places where dollars were going out the window. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, so you think Walton in the right here? Like, tell go fuck these guys up. No, I think that I think Waltz where people the word to get out that that they're being robbed of the punity. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. You arm these guys, but to me, I've always seen like the the guy in Jesse's position. If he's going to beat anyone, he's going to beat Skinny P. Or he's going to say, "That's." I was going to ask you that question. You got robbed. I'm sorry about it, but you're going to have. I get my two grand. That's what he said. I get my two grand, and if you don't have, I'm going to give you a month to get me that two grand, Mm -hmm. which should be enough time for you to take it out of your end and make up, and then whatever you got to do, or else what, or else you're out. 
Like I don't think oh, he's you're gotta, just out. Yeah, I mean that's what to. Jesse said. Like if you guys, if I don't get my two grand, you're out. You he, know, he needs these people though. You know, because he's I'm more, I'm more spot. worried about Skinny P being like, whoa, I lost an ounce and didn't get shit for it. I'm gonna start smoking up some of this shit. Yeah, I'm gonna take an ounce once every few months so it's like that's the thing like i mean if, if i was a drug lord maybe i would go with the like you're this is a good thing for everyone you're out if you can't keep it up but yeah. i i think walt's a little right about the street paying attention sure he needs some some cred i guess he doesn't want to doesn't want him to be too go but he also doesn't want him to be uh too lenient yeah i mean but the thing is like that that junkie it's like part of that is yeah it's definitely on skinny p like yeah, a good straight punch in a guy's face, and that shuts up the witch, and the guy drops a knife. Like and... I don't even care who's necessarily responsible in that situation. I'm wondering who Walt thinks is responsible and wants Jesse to take care of. Yeah, do you think it's do you think it's the people who held up Skinny Pete? Do you think it's Skinny Pete himself? Who's Walt telling Jesse to deal with? Yeah, I mean that's other thing is like the division of labor's fucked on this too. It is. I mean, technically he should be staying out of all of this. It's like you know, if, if our deal if one of us just was the voice on the air and one the guy was just the engineering talent and all that, like I can imagine all kinds of endless who's got the harder job and who's more important to the success of the oh, business yeah. and yeah, yeah. we're like this like cooking <laughs> versus selling when Walt is an expert at the cooking and Jesse is just like a a dabbler. Mm-hmm. And Jesse's a dumbass. When I mean, he's smarter than than Walt with street smarts. But oh, like yeah. again, the division of labor seems like it's really fucked and skewed. Where Jesse's assuming the majority of the risk. Yep. And you know, it's like I I I don't know. It's it's interesting. And Jesse points that out too. Exactly. No, so I thought I, I think he's right about. I thought that. Jesse was very strong in this episode in yeah. in trying to take back some of his personal power for Mister White. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and it's good to see because he's just been railroaded into this whole thing sure. forever. Uh, anyway, home alone with Skylar. Walt confronts her about the cigarettes, and she says she might have smoked them in a fugue state, which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they just have a discussion about, uh, kind of a discussion about the state of their relationship. Well, they also touched on the cigarettes, right? Y- yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's That's the entire... Okay. Almost. So, except for the stuff about Junior, like where's Junior? Oh, he's he's out. I mean, the people they're like, oh, Skyler's such a hypocrite for smoking all this stuff. You got to note that Skyler at least felt shame and remorse and chagrin for smoking the the few. And she's right. Three and a half cigarettes are not going to like give you fetal nicotine syndrome or no, whatever. No, no, no. You know, and like she felt bad and like as a and. You contrast as a Walt who's using this as a cudgel to beat her down. It's such a fucking slap in the face. It really is. <laughs> and I, does Walt see it? Does Walt understand what no, he's man. doing here? That's the glory he's of just Walter oblivious. White. That's the glory of Walter White. Walter White uh, only sees where other people are getting advantage and getting ahead. He never yeah. sees his own privilege and his own advantages. He and he can only see his own disadvantages and his own slights. Yeah. Um, I mean, gr- I mean, this is the guy. I, it's like watching this again, and everything becomes so obvious. This is the guy that walked away from gray matter, yeah, over a per, a slight so perceived that Elliot and Gretchen have no fucking clue what it is. Uh-huh. Like, I'm pretty sure if shit went bad on breaking on on bald move, uh-huh. and I'm not taking that off the table, it might. You would know. But why. I think you would know, and I would know. Uh-huh. 
Like we might not talk about it on air, but we would know, have a clear idea of like, you know, it's like oh, when things Here's went bad in Mad Brew on Night's Bad or Night's Watch. Everyone knows why. Uh-huh. It's, it's not a fucking mystery. In 15 no. years, come if he comes back and we have a beer, and we talk about it. I'm like, I have no idea why you flipped out. It's like, <laughs> sure. you know, I, yeah. it, it's, I, that's Walt, man. There's some people that are, I've met people like that. I mean, haven't yeah. you? Yeah, just totally self-concerned and yes. oblivious to how they're affecting other people. Yeah. Certainly. Um, yeah, it's just, like, I, I wish... Like, that's the interesting thing about the character, Walt, is that he is so smart in some ways and so dumb in, in others. In some ways. So dumb in others. Yep. And and that's, I feel like that's what makes him, in my opinion, a real person. But then that's the thing is, like, a lot of people broken in that way have the inability to show, see compassion and pity. Yeah, yeah. But that's the thing about Walt is he does. Like, he, he does. really showed yeah. empathy and compassion to Crazy Eights. And he's really shown genuine compassion and empathy to his wife, to his son, to Jesse. Uh-huh. But with Jesse in particular, he is, like, the worst kind of father you would ever want. The, the, that never sees your accomplishments, only sees the bad things mm-hmm. you do. Like, it's, like, Jesse's yeah, yeah. the nega Walt Jr., the nega Flynn. Yeah. Um, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, no, that that I mean that is part of what makes the show so interesting, is the 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 apparently real nature of all the characters. Yeah, uh, they they have flaws, they have weaknesses. They're not just superheroes. Even the people who are portrayed as superheroes, kind of like Hank, uh, he's he's got a weak side to him, you know. Sure. Anyway, um, Hank wakes up to apparent sound of gunshots, and which, by the way. Yeah. Just look at Marie's bedroom. Oh, it's purple top to bottom. Purple. <laughs> purple everywhere. From I hell see to why breakfast. he's got why he's got uh issues. Hey. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that that's not a uh like they say that one of the most peaceful colors is like a light blue. It's very calm. I feel like purple mm. must be the other end of the spectrum. It's very spectrum. oppressive. It just leads you to kleptomania. Yeah. And uh bouts of violence. And mm-hmm. panic attacks. I wonder what psychologists would say about the color of our <laughs> studio here. <laughs> this burnt, this Sienna, dark orange, yeah, rust, decay, oxidization, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. aging. Yeah, it's just it's 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 probably psychologically significant. Probably. Oh, thank you for noticing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so he goes out to the garage. He finds his bottle is exploding, and. I swear, Marie almost gets killed in this scene. Yeah. If Hank were any less trained, Marie's dead. Yeah. I don't even think it's about training. I think it's a matter of luck. Like, Hank, in this position, jacked with adrenaline, she is just extremely lucky she didn't she get is. shot. Yeah. Because your reflex... But, but I think it's training that comes in and says, hey, identify your target before you shoot. And, like, certainly he's had that training. I guess, We saw but... it in the scene where he fought Tuco. We see it in this scene. I'll... Cops spend a hell of a lot more time putting lead on targets than they do, like, um, you know, men in black style. Oh, it's a little girl instead of a monster. It's like... Well, I shot the little girl because clearly something's wrong with her. She's about ready to start some shit. Uh I'm just saying that, like, (laughs) I felt Marie was extreme. When I watched that scene, I gasped because your your instincts and your training are to put lead on that target. It's also just... It's so dumb of her to be out there. She's unarmed... So if there is someone firing is a dumb? gun, like I mean, if she'd it's been something shot, a real like, person probably would do. D- exactly. But, but 
it's something I wouldn't do. You know, if you, I you you cower in bed. If so, if I hear so, like let's say I wake up next uh-huh. to uh, a highly trained police officer, uh-huh. police woman. She goes into the do you garage. You wake up by highly trained policemen often. I didn't, a, I didn't say anything a, about a policeman. policeman your sheiks is that what it is yeah this is you, okay. you know you fucking dude once you go in your for, life you go least. for the born identity types i respect that <laughs> anyway so he or she goes to the garage uh-huh. uh to investigate until i hear a gun battle i'm not moving from that other room but because what I are have you a hearing if not the the constant gun battle of the schrader brow i want to hear off. i want to hear traded shots i don't want to hear the shots i've been you hearing yeah, I mean, I yeah, I I maybe, maybe. But the other thing is it's not like Hank said stay here. But she just I'll has be no right business back. being out there. What is Marie going to do in that garage? She's just curious. She's going to, you know, probably henpeck him. God, I, I mean, hope they're not getting to my my stash of purple <laughs> ribbons in the garage. Are you in here in your man cave? Uh yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I, You're right, though. She is incredibly lucky. She's incredibly lucky, and it's not about Hank's ability or lack of training. I'm just saying that, like, it's a, it feels like a coin toss if you're in that situation <laughs> and you don't get shot. All right, I, I think the coin is weighted given Hank's training. You think so? Not, a little bit, certainly. Yeah. Man, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to give some some credit to law enforcement a little bit. We've talked about how stupid the drug war is. Uh, I'm going to give him a little bit of credit to say he's. I trained. Ch- I tend to judge like law, like you know, in police shootings, like. You know whether the cop should have drawn the weapon, like you can debate. Sure. But once the weapon's drawn, you know it's 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 you are in dangerous, dangerous situation. Oh yeah, no, I agree with that. And it's like human instinct. Like try it. Like you know, grab a cap gun or something and get yourself in a scary situation in a dark setting and try not to shoot stuff. You know. Okay, I've played laser tag, man. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly what it's like. That's exactly what it's like. All right, Walt meets Jesse at his house, and he gives him a gun to, uh, as he says, handle the breakage situation. Uh, he th- th- There was a really funny outtake uh, in the season two outtakes where, uh, you know, he, he pulls that gun out of his waistband, and he's like, handle it. Well, one of the takes, he pulls a dildo out of his waistband. <laughs> he's like, I'm going to need you to handle it. I'm going to need you to take care of it. And then... Aaron Paul thinks the take is over and he squirts him in the face with it because it's also a squirt gun. (laughs) (laughs) Just that set seems like just a joke a day, man. A a joke a minute. Yeah, that's, I mean, like everybody's doing a lot of hard work. I don't know how they get anything done. I really don't. Especially when, like, uh, you know, we'll get a little bit of this in season three, but when, like, Cranston's directing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you get that shit coming on both sides of the camera. It's it's uh it seems like it get pretty crazy. For sure. Uh anyway, so yeah, that that's the scene there. Um then Hank goes down to the river and he throws the grill and we find out, oh, that's how it gets down there. It basically he throws it in New Mexico, it floats down the Rio Grande to the border. Yep. And ends up uh right on the border. Yep. Hell of a throw too. They they talked about this in the insider podcast that they had a photographer in a kayak. Oh, that okay. was like kind of holding position, and like uh, I guess uh, um, Dean Norris had to do several several pitches to get that to like right in front of the camera the way they wanted to. That's a sharp object. You hit the cameraman with that; it's gonna hurt. You know what though? Like I, they didn't say this in the podcast, but I wouldn't be surprised if that wasn't like a heavy piece of foam or a weighted piece of foam because you can't tell. 
Hmm. You can't tell that that's, yeah, you might that's, right. that's, I mean, I, I highly doubt they took a block of acrylic with teeth in it and threw it in the river over X over. many times. <laughs> yeah. No, you're probably right. Like I, I suspected that they, they just had Hank throw it way over the top and then just drop something in front of the camera. I thought so too, but apparently but, it was a phys- huh. it was a completely physical stunt. Okay, they do a lot of those. You yeah, know, the... and I, it, that's the thing. Like with camera angles and zoom lenses, they could have made that look seem a hell of a lot further than it did. Because my first sure. thing was like, "Whoa, that was a real that was a hell of a throw." Yeah, but then you look at Jesse's new apartment, which we yeah. got the opportunity to visit, and it is right on the street, but it doesn't look like that. Yeah, it's a tiny, tiny little shithole, and it mm-hmm. looks like so much nicer and further off the street and everything on and the same thing with like yeah. jesse's parents house oh yeah Jesse's yeah. parents look like they have a decent front yard and all that stuff but it's like they got a sidewalk and a strip of grass yeah so you can do a lot with where you put the camera and and how you frame stuff and um it's it's a, i've heard it, it i guess it's an art photography so i've heard <laughs> yeah there's a some people are really good at it mm-hmm. he does something on set the director I don't know of photography what. the dp <laughs> Anyway, Double yeah, that's penetration a, specialist. <laughs> sure, that's the episode, man. Uh, shall we play the name game a bit? Yeah, why not? So you we got breakage. Obviously, it's a breakage, shrinkage, uh, loss. Yep. That any any industry uh, that that sells a product uh, puts up with. We've had some shrink. We've lost entire podcasts. We had to re-record oh, right. the technical we details. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody should have got the piss beat out of them or shot for that. Apparently. <laughs> Sure, the, uh, people are the people who made Audacity. And yeah, the other band. podcasters find out that, you know, the, then, then what yeah. happens? They just come rip us off. Um, that'd be incredibly funny if someone... There's nothing stopping anyone from downloading our podcast and, like, upload, uploading them to SoundCloud and then just, you know... Cut, you know, cut, recording like a trailer for, like, the before and after advertising. That's the Stitcher, that's the Stitcher ad model, right? Okay, I mean, copyright stops them. But I'm saying there's nothing, like, there's nothing, nothing physically really stopping, them. stopping them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Um, but anyway, so we got breakage referring to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you else you got? There are uh, a lot of cracks in Hank. I feel like Hank is starting to break His a little bit. Yeah. His tough guy image breaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the relationship between, you know, Skylar and Walt mm-hmm. is definitely breaking bad in a different kind of way mm-hmm. this episode. I don't know. Anything else? Yeah, I know. I guess not. Okay. I guess not. I thought there was maybe one other, but no. I got All right. nothing. <laughs> well, then, <laughs> uh, how about we do some pimping? Pimping? Yeah. Are we ready to do some pimping, huh? I think we're ready for that. Uh, okay, so if you like to support Bald Move, and you really should, because the only reason you're here in this podcast right now is because people have taken the time to go to support.baldmove and figure out uh, support.baldmove.com and figure out the best way that they want a person to support us. Um, there's there's Patreon, there's Subbable, uh, there's the Amazon affiliate link at amazon.baldmove.com. You, I, I saw something on Amazon that they're still advertising that they can get shit to you by Christmas. But how is that even possible? I'm just saying, I, I it, it, you're, you're they probably have one hour delivery in New York. Now. You're probably too late, and this was released on a Thursday, so in actuality, you are already. Oh, you're way late. This is yeah. like the day after Christmas. You're screwed. They can still get it to you before. It's amazing. <laughs> that uh, that's that's why he's hoarding all the copper. He's yeah. uh, the flux capacitors take an inordinate <laughs> amount of copper, and he's they do installing them all in the UPS uh, brown <laughs> trucks. So they can go back in time. Mm-hmm. Amazed that those brown things can get to eighty-eight miles an hour. Honestly, yeah. 
but that's a great way. We get a get a lot of support that way. Uh, you know, we're not asking we're not we're not asking to be millionaires. We're just asking. Uh, we got bills to pay, yo. We got adult <laughs> responsibilities. Got responsibilities. Yeah, uh, to help us help us share that load, and uh, we'll keep making these podcasts. Does that sound like a deal? Sure, S- I'm in. I'm on it. Such a deal. Uh, support.baldmove.com. Uh, how about some feedback? Okay. Uh, we we we're keeping this breakfast count uh, as a, it stands right now. We've got uh, six breakfasts with an asterisk. Uh, offered to one Walt Jr. He has accepted the invitation to nosh on said breakfast four times. Liz G said, questions regarding your breakfast discussion. Did you sit down and eat breakfast with your family when you were growing up? How does the white family have time to sit down for breakfast? Both my parents worked, but my mom would leave bacon or sausage warming in the oven for us. Whoa, whoa. She got bacon or sausage warming in an oven? I didn't get fucking cold cereal, good. man. Like, I, I, I this is one of those kids. Uh, I'd make toast and then have a sandwich. My dad was military. My mom was a secretary at high school. They were gone before we left for school. Uh, I can see Skylar being home. I know Walt has driven his son to school, but I thought teachers needed to be there earlier than students. Uh, what do you think, Jim? Well, Walt Jr. goes in and has a second breakfast at school. Oh, yeah, he's a hobbit. Like, they used to do that. And I don't know if they did that at breakfast? your school, but they did that at my sure. school. They'd have a, a breakfast. The breakfast pizza at my school, I still sometimes oh, dream about. Breakfast pizza? So good. So good. What is a breakfast so, pizza so consist imagine, of? Imagine a pizza with a buttermilk biscuit crust. Okay. <laughs> you got some egg, you got some cheese, you got some sausage, like in a base of pepperoni, and then you also have just a drizzle of gravy. That's a breakfast pizza, my friend. Oh, I, and, I would have to try one. And I still sometimes dream about them. Hmm. Like, I stopped eating lunch at school, like in high school at some point, but I, I love those fucking breakfast pizzas. All right. Yeah, so maybe he's going in early with his dad, waiting around for the second breakfast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I didn't always get breakfast, but a good portion of the time. My mom didn't work, so she was up early making us breakfast. Yeah, I didn't uh, get that. I'd eat a lot of cereal as well. Uh, yeah, my mom and dad both worked and they, uh, like, I don't know. It's hard for me to remember when my mom was at home, like this is post junior high. Like she got me up and like just basically came in and said, it's time to go to school. Mm-hmm. But I don't, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe I got a bowl of cereal, but she was making my own stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. cereal seems like the, the great equalizer of breakfast, you know, me and my, cause I take my son to school. We, we eat breakfast together. Uh, we both have a bowl of cereal sitting on the couch and we're watching cartoons. Yeah. Uh, it's it's uh, either Star You're Wars. You're a big fan of breakfast, though. You were telling me about your your breakfast capabilities being thoroughly augmented this holiday season. He's got a waffle maker. Yeah, you thought you, my pancake were, game was tight. Wait till you see the waffle game. You were giddy about your waffle maker. It's going to take a while to so. dial in because I've already surprised you know surprised no one. I've already made several waffles. No, not surprising. Uh, sure. But then that sometimes if I'm feeling real ambitious and I got a lot of time, I'll I'll, I'll cook like uh, pancakes and shit. Uh, for yeah. a preschool breakfast, I think the key is that Walt and Junior went to the same school, and he's up anyway, getting ready, having his breakfast. And Skylar's a stay-at-home mom for whatever reason. So I think that's the thing, Liz, is that uh, uh, Vince Gilligan doesn't know that the teachers have to be there early, and uh, they they just went they just went in together. So they uh, got ready together, and they probably took showers together. Sure, sure. and they ate breakfast together. Yep. So that's what I that's what I got for that. Uh, Jenkins B said, "Hey guys, I've often heard you mention that Sopranos is one of the few shows which matches up or is even better than Breaking Bad. You did not hear that on this uh, podcast. 
This smacks yeah, of uh, definitely no, not better. This smacks not of better. after buzz type of type of talk. <laughs> honestly, yeah. Neither of us think it's better or probably even close to Breaking Bad. Uh, this month, I decided the decide decided to watch Sopranos side by side with the rewatch of Breaking Bad. So Jesus, far, you can do that in a month. So far, after two seasons of each oh, show, okay. I fail to see where The Sopranos is better. Maybe yes. it gets better in later seasons, but Breaking Bad turns it up a notch between seasons four and five as well. I'll continue watching both shows at the, and at the end draw my conclusions when I'm done. Please don't spoil The Sopranos for me as this is my first time watching and I've just ended season two. Nope, you have drawn the correct conclusions. Yeah, you should need to stop watching Sopranos and jump <laughs> onto the wire. Okay, yes, I could buy that. I, I think, but but Sopranos, the Sopranos is good. Sopranos is good because, and I'm not seeing the Sopranos. I've mm-hmm. seen several episodes from each season, you know, because I don't give a shit about spoilers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the reason the Sopranos is so good is because it was one of the forerunners of the golden age of television, mm-hmm. and also the gentleman that stars as Tony Soprano, um, Zach Galifianakis. Yeah, yes, yes, that's him, <laughs> James Gandolfini. James, thank you. <laughs> My human IMDb. Uh-huh. James Gandolfini is just a force of fucking nature. Yeah, nice, no, fantastic, and uh, it's well acted and and uh, it's 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 nice to look at. But no, I I'm it's not. It's not that nice to look at, honestly. Really? No, a little dated. Uh, yeah, definitely. You can you can feel that it's a '90s show. They switched to high def and wide frame format halfway through the series, though, didn't they? I think so. Because it was a contemporary so. of the Wire, and the Wire, yeah. Like the first two seasons, I guess that technology wasn't widely available, and then they offered to go in season three, and then they decided not to. But yeah, um, no, I I watched the way I watched The Sopranos is I paid really close attention to the first couple of seasons. Yeah, uh, and then I kind of background watched it for uh, a good chunk, and then when it got closer to the end, I I reengaged my brain. Yeah, so I don't I don't know how that middle chunk is. The beginning was good. There's a lot of weird shit in there. Sure, in the middle. Uh, some really weird episodes. Yeah, I've seen uh, some. And then toward of them. the end, it gets good again. Yeah, in my mind, anyway. Uh, that's all the non-spoilers. We have a, quite a bit more because uh, I would say, okay, uh, it's much different than our regular show profile, and I imagine uh, the majority of people are uh, Breaking Bad veterans, so we get the majority of our feedback in the spoiler section. Mm-hmm. But if you are a Breaking Bad virgin, now is where we need to part ways. Uh, send us email to Breaking Bad, or sorry, Breaking Good or Breaking Bad. It goes to the same place at baldmove dot com uh, for next week when we talk about four oh or two oh six Peekaboo, one of the great, possibly top five episodes for me. Yeah, no, it's it's good. A great really episode. Good. We'll be talking about it next week. Uh, get your email for that at Breaking Good at baldmove dot com. And you can also follow us along with our show threads at uh, facebook.com slash baldmove and on our forums, forums.baldmove.com. Yeah. Twitter um, at Jim at uh, baldmove. That's all we got. We got quite a bit to talk about in the spoiler section. Um, not as much as some weeks because there just wasn't a lot of hidden stuff here, I didn't think. Yeah, it's it's kind of a setup episode as always you can go to seriable.com and uh i will link the observations uh, uh for for this episode and you can you can see uh if you want to take a really deep dive but they're just uh felt like there wasn't a lot of tie-ins uh this this episode as there was some of them going forward okay it's a setup it's a setup for peekaboo yeah definitely sounds good uh we'll see anybody who's looking for spoilers after the uh, music here And if you're not, we'll see you next week. Until then, I'm Jim. And I am Aaron. Bye-bye.
You're obviously a Bald Move podcast fan, but were you aware of the breadth and depth of our coverage? We cover all your favorite TV shows such as Game of Thrones, 24, American Horror Story, Breaking Bad, Falling Skies, Fargo, The Leftovers, Gotham, House of Cards, Justified, Mad Men, Orange is the New Black, Boardwalk Empire, True Blood, Downton Abbey, The Walking Dead. Thanks, Moira. Fuck you. Pay me. We told you after the Amazon check clears. Get all of this and much more at baldmove.com. Cheap bastards. And we're back with the spoiler section. What do we have this week? Michael P. said, just to add to your hate for the midair collision in the finale, last week was people defending it. This is Michael P. Okay. Uh, you know, dropping a people's elbow on the air traffic controller situation. Uh-huh. Every multi-million dollar aircraft has something called the TCAS, the Traffic Collision Avoidance System, to prevent mm-hmm. such an accident. It's true that the air traffic control has a lot of control over flights, but when your TAC... TCAS goes off, you stop listening to the fucking controllers. Vince Gilligan should know that. From what I can remember, he has a private pilot license. That's where I first heard of TCAS back in 2003. Uh, In aviation, two airplanes within a few miles of each other is way too close, unless around an airport. And yes, they were near ABQ, but uh, two planes looked like they were above 18,000 feet, so there's no reason for them to be so close. Look, man... Uh, when we get to the episode, I'm going to be talking about all this stuff because as far as I can tell, not only is it impossible in like the technical sense of the word, this kind of thing has never, ever, ever happened in the hundreds of thousands Mm. of flights worldwide that happen. Like every once in a while I get somebody be like, yeah, and they, they tackle like two charter craft, like, you know, private jet type things colliding. Yeah, Yeah. I'm talking a air collision with a with a 737 a major airliner uh this it just it's so impossible that it's hard to believe for for like how many multiple breakdowns would have to happen and yeah, to be fair they do lampshade that where Walt talks about like how just absurdly impossible it is for that something like that to happen yeah and i feel it's it's crazy so i i was in a plane not too long ago I'm going to be in one tomorrow uh I, I will be in one tomorrow but let's talk about let's talk about how fraught traveling by air is with danger no it's not it's actually pretty safe uh but i was in one and we got miles miles away from another craft behind them mm-hmm. and we were in their wake mm-hmm. uh in the air and we hit some of the most severe turbulence i've ever felt in an airplane being miles behind them. Mm-hmm. So, like, the idea that they keep planes anywhere even near each other is crazy. They don't. I mean, the air traffic controller would have miles and miles and miles of space between these things. Well, the the whole reason you felt that turbulence is because the toxic chemtrails well, of course, that but... the, the airlines are dumping to <laughs> yeah, control yeah. our minds. Like, uh-huh. that shit just... The nanobots, you, too. I mean, you got you to gotta expect you're going to get some turbulence when you're driving through a chemtrail like that. You're yeah. lucky to be alive, honestly. No, I am. I because, am. you know, you're supposed to... You're not supposed to get that concentrated mind control serum <laughs> at that altitude. It's supposed to dissipate through the atmosphere as it goes a couple, you know, a couple miles sure. down. So, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm glad you're still with us, honestly. Uh, but no, I, 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 I'll have a lot to say about that a little bit later on. Okay, cool. And then I'm going to, I'm going to vent my spleen 
and purge my guts, and then we'll never speak of it again because I really like Breaking Bad. I just flushed a pack of cigarettes down my toilet, so don't <laughs> purge in there. I hope it's your toilet and not my toilet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Liz G said, uh, regarding Hank's breakdown, uh, his physical disability later on in the series and his reaction is more powerful when I think about it in connection to the mental or psychological trauma that he has suffered after a shootout with Tuco. He's trying to act like he's okay, but he has been traumatized. I think his boss wants to gloss over it. He asked if Tuco is still dead or something like that. Uh, Breakage was a slower episode, but it put several storylines in motion. Thanks for the podcast, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, too. Merry Christmas to you, Liz, and everyone listening to the podcast. Um, it's funny. We talked a little bit about this on the uh, Lunch with Jim and Aaron series that uh, is one of the perks you get for being a Patreon subscriber. Mm-hmm. But um, we made it through a year. This was our first year of being in business for ourselves as Bald Move and supporting ourselves with Bald Move. And we made it. And now we're traumatized? What does this have to do with? Now we're traumatized and uh, (laughs) trying to put a big Merry Christmas pop to spin on it. And uh, as soon as we get in the elevator, we're going to lose our shit. I'm not seeing the connection here. I'm just saying Merry Christmas and thanks to everybody that supported us or listened to us or sent us words of encouragement. Um, Definitely. I want to touch on that before I forget. Yeah. Uh, secondly, what did you think of her comment about, uh, her, his boss Merker trying to turn it into kind of a joke? I I mean, that's the kind of guy Hank normally is, right? So I feel like that's not out of place for their relationship. It's not Merker's problem. He doesn't understand yet how damaged Hank is by this. That's exactly my take. If, yeah. It's not Merker's problem or fault that he didn't understand that Hank is not playing this like it's just a joke. Like he's literally a yeah. cowboy that had a shootout at the OK Corral. He is Wyatt Earp. That guy was whoever the fuck Wyatt Earp was fighting at the OK Corral. Doc Hollywood or something. No, uh, no, Doc Hollywood was one of the good guys. Uh, the Clampets, right? Uh, no, Mark, no, that's Beverly Hillbillies. Marcus Person, <laughs> right? That's that's right. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, those, those guys and, uh, yeah. yeah, um, he was just playing, he was going along with the external kind of story that Hank was putting, putting forth exactly. for everybody. That's the story that Hank's telling him. What is, what do you expect? I didn't think it was interesting when Hank was at the barbecue and stuff about the cockroaches and I talked a bit about the war on drugs, um, for mm-hmm. whatever reason. I thought it was interesting how he was so almost dissociated that uh-huh. like his personal effect was not matching the words coming out of his mouth. And he was like this flat monotone speech about cockroaches and stomp- stomping yeah. them. And, and Walt Jr. is trying to be like, oh, hell yeah, you know, you're here and he's not and you must have been faster or blah, blah, blah. And I think that was interesting. Yeah, totally. That's how Walt Jr. expected Hank to react to it. Yeah. Because of the way he's acted in the past. Yep. And that's how Hank's been acting until the elevator trip where he had a yep. panic attack. I mean, first one of those you have will be a wake-up call. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm super interested in seeing the rest of Hank's kind of crumbling persona here I was for, thinking, the, for I the think, second time. I, I was, I was thinking his panic attacks is like your brain's last ditch hmm. trying to get attention uh-huh. to like uh you're pretending that nothing is wrong i'm going to make you completely lose your shit 
yeah. for the next. I've got control of this yeah. thing you're moving around in. Yeah, like you can't walk on a broken down. leg, but you can you can try to push through your life with with traumatic stress. Sure. Um, and eventually your brain will be like, oh, yeah, well, fuck you. Here comes uh, clinical depression and panic attacks and, uh-huh. until you fix this. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think that's what we're seeing, that he that that elevator was the first time where his brain's like, yep, uh, you need we, we need to talk. Yeah, I've never really had my body or mind betray me like that. It's got to be such a weird, horrifying thing. I've had I've had two panic attacks. Um, huh. and they were all brought in to like ex- periods of extreme stress that I was not ignoring. And it's, it's, yeah, it's yeah. weird. Uh, cause you can sit and tell yourself there's nothing wrong all day long, but your body or whatever, whatever reason, all of the like levers in your body that like pull the stress hormones and adrenaline That's are so just weird. jacked open yeah. and it's, it's, it's super uncomfortable. Oh, I, I bet. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So hmm. what else? Merry no, Christmas! No, no more emails. Okay, come back around cool. and Merry Christmas. I expected um, a bigger uh, spoiler. I section. had a lot, but the, some of it was like um, kind of repetitive or okay. talk yeah. about the Skyler, Skyler and Walt stuff that I didn't. You know, I'm not. I feel Let's like talk we've... about Skyler being a bitch for 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Um, some of that <laughs> stuff is like uh, I've said. Uh, I've said enough in the coverage we've had the, about it. So yeah. But uh, okay, cool. Well, uh... plus it's early. We we try to give people fair warning, but we're recording this thing like three days after the last one came out. It's true. We're we're altering the deal on them, so can't be prevented. Sorry. Nope. Yep. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week. See you then. Yep. Bye bye.